Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Design Recharge. I'm your host, Diane Gibbs, and hopefully me and Ian will both stay in focus. We were both having focus <laughs> issues, not focusing on things, but being focused. So um, anyway, so I am excited to have Ian here. Some of you, Kara, I see you're here from Ely, right? Ely, Minnesota. And um, it looks like Eli, but she's really from e Ely. It, anyway, she phonetically did it for me one time, but she was also at camp. So lots of people here were at camp. Maura was at camp and camp is coming up. So I hope you guys can't wait. Josh was at camp too. And if you don't know what camp is, camp is a time for you to come and learn about some things over five week period. And not as many people as we had last year. Uh, we kind of overloaded maybe um, with it, uh, like, what do you call when you eat to like a, you binge, you know, like is it, it's going to be more like healthy eating, healthy learning, um, but we're going to learn together and it's a, in a comfortable atmosphere and I can't wait. So I hope you guys will join us and we are going to talk a little bit more about that next week, but Ian, tell us, so you have always impressed me. You have lots of things that you've done. You've had a fast track to get to where you are and how you learn. And one of the things that we both talked about this the other day was just that you're curious and you think you being curious and being willing to ask questions about things you wanted to learn from people when you were in, um, you know, you were working with them or yeah. you were friends with them. You're willing to ask some of those questions because you're interested instead of feeling like you had to look right or know the right <laughs> things or whatever. Right. So I think that that's a yeah. strength. So, Tell us just where you got your start in design. Give us a little bit of your design history and then what your yeah. business does and who you serve. Yeah, yeah. So my, hey everybody, I'm Ian. Uh, my start in design, I had a Reddit docs actually for, I was 21. Someone decided to pay me as an intern to help them out, not as design. I was going to architecture school at the time, but they wanted me to help out a project manager. They did events um, and they're like, hey, this guy has like kind of some potentially some potential. We'll hire him. And uh, eventually it kind of like, hey, you can do design as well. And they hired me to do design. So that was my first time at 21. I'm, I'm 32 now as of like four days ago. So it's like been 11 years. Um, yeah. So and then I've had my business, which is John's Designs for this is my third year. It started in 20, September of 2018, we incorporated. Um, and we've done some pretty cool stuff since then. And uh, basically I am a experiential designer and that has a lot of kind of questions surrounding it. But basically if you've got an event, if you've got a product launch, if you've got something that you want to do, um, I come in and help you accomplish that, right? So I kind of in the middleman between the idea and the activation of that idea. So tell people just in case, I don't know if my mom's here yet, but she might not know. Um, oh, and Doc Reed's here. He's in uh, Charlotte, North Carolina. My mom is here. Um, so Ooh, mom probably Hi, doesn't, mom. My, my mom probably doesn't know what experiential design is. Can you tell her and everybody else? Sure. So there are a lot of descriptions on there, but I consider uh, with other people, experiential design is like designed for something that you can actually like physically touch or experience, right? So I do a lot of like art installations or events where there's physical structures, there are things that you can touch. Um, I also kind of throw in UX and UI because you're experiencing this, you know, app or something digital, right? So anything that is impacting someone on like, an, like you doing an experience that kind of covers experience design, which I understand is very broad. Um, but it's kind of intentioned that way. But even packaging. So you have helped packaging right. designers and people who are in that field also get an idea. So they have a idea for um, their bottle and you're like, oh, you're only going to be able to fit two bottles on that shelf that you're planning <laughs> on putting it in. But it's because you, un yeah. you're really a great problem solver, but you can help them solve that packaging problem in a different way so that they could yeah. fit more on the shelf or right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I remember talking to you about that. And you're like, oh, that's so cool. It's, yeah, so it was like a product shelf for, it was in Sephora, and we had a client that had a, a limited space in Sephora, and they were like, hey, we want to promote these products. How do we do that? And then I basically just had to go in there and 3D model, go, like, you can't do all the things that you want to do. You don't have the space for it. So we had to kind of experiment on how to display them and what is going to be, you know, able to be presented with their very, Sephora's very rigid 
allowance, right? Because everyone has the same amount and it has to do with money and, and all that kind of stuff. So it's very fun. Um, and our friend Adrian from camp too, he was in Bermuda and now Ooh. he's back in Ireland. So you got a from bunch Ireland. of camp people coming. Hey, camp people. What's up? So you studied architecture. Then yeah. then what, where you started doing design and then, because you also had a business with your brother, which we're going to talk about a little bit later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kind of just uh, take us want- a little bit through. Th- so, so did you, you, did you work, go to school for architecture for how long? What happened? Yeah. I, do you want, I could jump into, yeah. the, I did a little presentation. Yeah, it's, kind, te- it's not really like a teaching moment as much as more like my story. Type of thing. Okay. Tell us. Yes, please do. Okay. Please. Have you always been curious by the way, like even as a kid? I think so. Yeah, for sure. That's what my mom tells me. Where was your sister who was your twin or still is your twin? That sounds like she's not with us anymore. No, um, she's no longer my twin anymore. We just have <laughs> separate, separate ways. You um, still celebrate birthdays on different days now. Yeah. Screw her. Right. She's terrible. No, we literally just, uh, we celebrated together recently. It's great. Um, no, I think she's, she's very much different than me. I'm the youngest. And I think I'm more of like the, the rule breaker, if you want to put a term on it, um, she's definitely less of a risk taker. Um, and I apparently was a giant risk taker as a kid, like playing, you know, I played football and I, you know, skateboarded and, you know, went off of things that I shouldn't have jumped off of and injured myself and all that kind of stuff. So, okay. Yeah. Well, tell us about being continuously curious. Yeah. I really like the title. So I put it on the title of my slides. So continuously curious. Uh, story of looking behind the curtain and taking chances. As we talked about, like my career started, um, that's me uh, uh, being inexperienced. I was 20, 21 at the time and a local Newport Beach event company was hiring. My sister actually got me, not my twin, my other sister like saw this on Craigslist like, hey, should apply. I did and they decided to hire me to be a project manager assistant. So I was there to do budgets and planning with the intent of like later on, maybe I could help out. They had one 3D designer. It was a very small company. There was like maybe five people in it. Were you always interested in 3D design? I was always interested in architecture, like weirdly, like a weird kid. In seventh grade, when people were drawing and like, you know, flirting with girls, I was drawing floor plans from magazines. So, oh yeah. Love I was, that. Oh yeah, yeah, totally. I was, I was making like, um, girls are later. I'll do floor plans. This I was making bookmarks and selling, making catalogs for bookmarks. Yeah. So you get it. Like, yeah, I totally like, get I, it. I, I don't know what it was, but I was like, yeah, this layout of a house when I was, what is it? 16. Like that, that's, that's what I want. Okay. Um, keep going. So space. Yes. So 3d, 3d, you were like this fits, right? Yeah. So I had the opportunity to go to a school for architecture it was really exciting. So that's why I was doing an intern job. I couldn't commit full time. So I was doing school. So I was doing at the time I was doing community college on the weekdays, which was a full set. Of what I think that's 12 credits. I forget what the credits are, but like 12 credits is full. So I was doing 12. And then I was also going to Cal Poly Pomona, which is an architecture school, but part of there, what they call like an extenuation program. So it's an entire program done in the weekend. So I think Friday, there's a, a lecture. Saturday, there's a lecture and a um, design course. And then on Sunday, it's all like design. So, and that was also like, you had to take 12 credits. So I was taking 24 credits. And then I was also interning at this company when I wasn't going to school on the weekdays. So I was uh, very tired. Um, so what is this? Oh yeah. So then after a year and a half of me doing that crazy stuff, that program at Cal Poly Pomona got shut down. So just the, not the architecture program, but like the continuation, what they called it, mm-hmm. was shut down. And I wasn't allowed to keep the credits that I had. I wasn't allowed to transfer to their day program. I was basically left like, hey, sorry about that. Good luck. And no way. Yeah, it, it, was, it was not great. But like the real, it was, it was not great for me, but it was way worse for other people. Um, there were people on there like on their fifth year, <gasps> like they were ready to be like, I graduated from Cal Poly doing architecture and they're like, nope, you didn't. And they're like, we have like one semester left. So like there was lawsuits, there's all this, like, it was crazy. So luckily it was only a year and a half for me. So I wasn't like that terrified. So we're going to get into this, but that's also a, is that something you've always been like, we able to see the sunny side or like, well, it wasn't as bad for me as it was for them. (laughs) 
no, no, that was a, that's a learned skill. I am very much a competitive. I don't take things lying down very easily. So like the optimistic view of things, it, it doesn't come naturally to me. So oh, cool. like th- I have this perception, you know, years now, ver- like when it happened, I was super mad. Like I was not, you know, I was like, oh, this is terrible. Like, how can you do this? That kind of stuff. So time, time is really nice. Um, but and after- you're not alone, just so you know, Paul said he did floor plans in middle school and Kara started out as an architecture major, but the math, uh, Kept, got she got sick of the math and, but she oh loved gosh. building models yeah well Kara I had an unfair advantage my dad was a math teacher for 30 years so I got his genetics so that helped out really well but other than that I would have been like my twin by the way math no no thank you like, she doesn't do math at all. no risks so, no math no risk no math she's really good at the English language I'm terrible at it and she could do Spanish so she's like almost bilingual yeah that's great okay back to your story Back to my story. Um, so after, you know, after tragedy, if you want to call it that, um, there is opportunity. So like, as I was building this, like, I realized that this is kind of like a recurring theme in my life is so when something like bad happens, or when something changes in your life, like look for the opportunity, because your perspective has changed, right? So for me, my trajectory was five years of education, become an architect, go on that path. So when this program closed, I really didn't have, I really couldn't continue that very easily. I'd have to kind of step back for a year and a half, try to get into the day program. It would have been a ton of work. So I had this new perspective, right? So like, was I going to be an architect? Was that a reality? Like, did did I like it? And at that time, um, the company that I was interning for was like, hey, do you want to take on a full-time position here? So I was like, well, this seems interesting. Like, I don't have to go to school. I don't have to work my butt off. I was extremely tired. Like I was picking one day of the week to stay up overnight to work on stuff. Wasn't healthy. Um, And I was like, yeah, let's do it. So I quit like all college, dropped out, did all this stuff. And just like, I'm going to work for this company. It seems really fun and really exciting. And it was like a pros cons. Yeah, go ahead. I just wanted to comment that your, your deck is really beautiful. I just like the hierarchy and you've done such a nice job with the images. I just wanted to randomly comment on that sorry about that i didn't take my medicine at lunch okay keep going (laughs) thank you unsplash for free images that's great um yeah the way you put them together ian oh thank you okay keep going um so yeah so i got to focus on one thing which is positive um i got better pay because i was working more hours and i got to take on more responsibility right so i could just focus more on what how i could you know kind of advance in this place instead of like community comp like there's so many spinning plates this was really nice how long had you Um, worked there I worked there for three years. No, before they offered you that full-time position. Oh, that's a, I think it was about the same amount of time that I was at the architecture school. So, so I think a year I and a half? A year and a half. So like three semesters. So they knew how you worked. They knew who you were. They knew what you could do. They knew how fast you could learn. You're right. Exactly. So they knew they always had like, the, oh, he could probably help out. The guy's name was Austin. He actually became and still is a really good friend, but he could help out Austin but like there wasn't enough time, right? And they weren't super greedy. They were really nice. They're just like, whatever time you can give us, come into the office, we'll pay you. Hmm. Um, okay. So now they're like, we'll pay you for full-time. And I was like, sweet, let's do it. Um, so the me on the left is what I was kind of there to do, right? So there was like the budgeting and expense reports. I just knew Excel because again, I was a weird kid and I just liked Excel and I tried to do it. Um, and then there's like the CAD and design stuff that they knew that I could help with. But over time, I gained all these other skills, right? So Adobe Illustrator was needed for the job. Photoshop, I learned on the job. 3D CAD and rendering, I learned even more on the job. But then because I was helping out also with the project management side, I had to ask questions because the project manager was gone lots of the times. I had to take on a lot of his responsibilities. And that kind of forced me to ask these questions, right? So project reconciliation. I was 21 years old and I'm finding out what this is. And I'm like, well, asking the accountant, like, why can't we close up this job? It's like, well, we have to reconcile it, make sure, you know, everything's billed for, and then we can build a client to make sure that, like, we hit our profitability and everything is the way that we kind of budgeted for. So I learned that pretty quick. Pricing and profits, I was making the budgets for this project manager. Um, so I was constantly asking, like, well, what is this line item? Why are we charging them this much money? It, we, it doesn't cost us this much money. Why are we upcharging them? And I had to ask those questions because if I was going to build a budget without him there, I had to you know, properly make the company money. So I had asked these questions. Um, and then I got to travel, which was really cool. 
Uh, and then so like those were questions like, how do we make this work? We're a team of five. We have three projects going on at the same time. Logistically, do we hire more people? How does that work? So I got to ask these questions. So then like me on the right, now I have like all these skills, right? So I've got, you know, much larger tool set. So as I worked there, um, I had an increased curiosity because it, you know, made my life easier. Um, I had an increased ability and skill set because I needed them to succeed at this job. And because of that, I had an increased opportunity. So the more that I learned and was able to take chances, the more responsibility my boss was able to give me. So there was huge accounts that they did. And like when a small one would come by, they'd be like, I think Ian could handle it. Like he already does budgets for one of our largest clients, which was Pokemon, by the way. We did like game shows and stuff like that. So we had Pokemon, Wizards of the Coast, um, stuff like that. <clears throat> so those were really big accounts. And then like small stuff would come by, like one-off stuff. And then it'd just be like, well, I think Ian can handle it. So then I had more opportunity, which was great. So the best advice that I got during that job, thank you to my old boss, was how does your design affect other people? And I had to look this up, either effect or affect. And I think oh, yeah, I don't know proper, what the... Yeah. I, I don't know. I I either one. The, right. And it was basically, so what he did was, because I was designing stuff. I was designing booze. So basically I was designing a, a trade show booze. I thought you that, said booze. And I'm like, <laughs> wait, you were barely 21. You were designing booze? Okay. Oh my gosh. I don't know how to design booze, but it sounds like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so booze with a T-H and an S. Uh, booze. Uh, again, English language. Uh, I know. It I'm is sorry. my first I'm and sorry. only language, and it's terrible. Thanks for pointing I'm, out. I'm man. butchering your awesome, beautiful thing. So again, <laughs> I love this. How does it your design affect other people? So booths, right? Right. So his big thing is like, hey, if you're designing something for someone else to put together, right? Your designs are either going to positive or negatively affect someone else. So what he did was anytime I designed something, he shipped me out there. So if I made something incredibly complicated, I was the poor sucker that had to put it together on site. <gasps> because he's like, hey, you can't just ship these things off. It's not out of your plate. We're a small company. So when I'd be like, hey, we'll do a booth, we'll do it in a day and a half. And it's, you know, 3,000 pounds of IKEA furniture. I'm like, well, I'm the guy with the ratchet and the time sitting down to put it together. So next time when I'm like, yeah, they could put this together in eight hours. Like, no, that took me three days. And I was like sweating in a convention center. So the next time I'm designing something, they're like, uh, maybe it's not so much IKEA for sure. Maybe we build it here and ship it. Like, so it was very, very impactful. I didn't realize that at the time, but it, it's become such an important facet of like my career of always thinking about how my designs are affecting the other people. Um, I love that so, it's not just the consumer that you are also thinking about the user, the person at the booth, the person setting up the booth. And you still do that. Like we're going to talk about that when we get to the Super Bowl. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Okay, keep going. So good. <laughs> so so now that I have more responsibility, um, I'm learning not only like the skills that are surrounding me. So like the first circle is the event company. So I'm learning about like how an event company works, right? How does the, how do we make profit? How do we get clients? How do we do all this stuff? Um, but I'm also learning about the fabricators and vendors, right? So like we're not creating this stuff. So now I got to learn about like who do we partner with? How do things get done? How do POs work? How do work orders work? All this kind of stuff. You know, then I would actually go to our vendor and be like, well, well, Craig, why is this so expensive? Like we budget this for way less. And like, how do we make it less expensive? So I'm having conversations with these people and trying to figure out a problem, right? We want to give our client the best product with spending the least amount of their money. So their ROI is the greatest and they're happy, right? We need to make our money. They need to have a great experience. How do we make this marriage happen? And that's like the second circle. And then the third circle is like, I would be on site. So I got to see, cool, like once we're there, how does our client interact with their fans? How does our booth that we created, I think that it's gonna react this way. I think that it's gonna, you know, people are gonna flow this way and people are gonna, you know, experience it in a certain way is it actually happening so i get to experience and then I'm, you know i'm having dinners with these clients there there's parts that are not working and then you you know developing relationships so i get to learn about their business as well so now i've got like this breadth of knowledge about this industry and other people's business which, which is, is all, really exciting which is also going to help you design better booths and know what to ask the next yeah. people you're making booths for because you 
you see that they keep coming out around the desk. They're not standing behind the desk. They're standing in front of the desk. So now the furniture is in the way, right? Or they need, they're yeah. reaching for flyers or a iPad to show people and you see that they need some place to put it down or, or like you're seeing and then next time. So this is a really iterative place. What a great boss that's letting you kind of like, okay, you think that's going to be easy? Okay, let's see, Ian. I think that's such yeah. a great way to learn. This was really maybe better than school. Oh my gosh, right? No, exactly. It was, And I mean, I didn't realize that that was the decision that I made, but I think it was way better than school. I learned so much and hands-on experience, right? So that's the most important. Like, shout out to Jerry Rubin, like first boss ever. He was fantastic. So I was, so I was doing these things. I was doing these shows. I was working, helping with the bigger clients, doing the small clients on my own. We started getting larger and larger accounts. And I was the person because I had these skills where I could be on site and I could design on site and be in front of the client. So I was doing a lot of stuff. So I in, <laughs> inevitably got burnt out. I didn't realize it, but like it, it was, I was in San Francisco for over a month in a motel. I flew back one day to go to my sister's wedding and then I, like, it was insane. Like it was a ton of work. Um, so I got burnt out and I quit. I was 24 at the time. I had to look it up. So still pretty young, right? I guess. But I was like, I'm done. I can't do this, which I regret to this day. Like I should have stuck it out, but, um, like it was, I didn't have a plan. Like there was no like, hey, I've got this other job lined up. I was like, I'm done, I'm out, I'll figure it out. But again, with bad news or something or dramatic change comes opportunity, right? So uh, I wrote here, sometimes we don't see the full potential of opportunity and therefore refuse to take the risk. Just because we feel like they're, oh, we can't do this, it's too risky, or it's gonna be like a step back or something like that. Lots of times we don't take that risk. But like a lot of the stuff that I do is like calculated to some extent, but it's more of like the belief that I have in myself and the confidence that I have in my ability. So I didn't have a backup plan, but I had a ton of confidence being like, look, I was literally on-site managing America's Cup. I could I could get another job. Like I had full confidence. I don't know if that was, you know, good or bad, but it was there. It was great. So I, it was a little bit while later. I, got, I took some time, I went on vacation, I went backpacking, it was great. And then I was like, hey, I need to get money again. <laughs> I need a job. Were you so married at this point? No, 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 no. Okay, this so is, you're just single, on your own. Yeah. You don't have the responsibilities of family or anybody else and no pets. Yeah, I think I was, I was living away from my parents for the first time. It was fantastic. I was not having to work because I stocked up a ton of cash and uh, it was great. Because you couldn't use it because you were always working. Yeah, exactly. So it was it was a really good time to like have some Ian time, which is really cool. But then the money ran out and I was like, I need a job. So I got a job, which I was definitely overqualified for, but it was in the industry. It was in the events industry. They did trade show booths. And I still had like the sour taste of being overworked, spinning too many plates, designer, project manager. Um, doing accounting, all that kind of stuff, right? It was a ton of work. So I was like, well, what would it be like if I was just a designer? I like the design stuff, but what is that was my only task? So I kind of took this job kind of like as an experiment to see if that's what I really wanted to do. So I took this job and I was only going to be a 3D designer. I was only going to design the booths. The salesperson handled the sales, project manager handled the project management, fabricators handled the, fa like the fabrication. It was literally, we had a creative director. It was for a large event company here in California and they had like multiple offices. They had one in Boston and Chicago and uh, we had designers in Romania. So it was very much a big company, big in industry. Um, and I was like, cool, let's, let's do it. So I thought that I was going to like focusing on one thing. Turns out I didn't. I I needed more, I guess, stimulation or challenge or whatever. Um, so I started asking questions about what's happening because I mean, I took a job that I was overqualified for. So I was getting paid less than I did, you know, at the previous job. So I was looking to also make money as quickly as possible, right? How do I advance myself? But I don't wanna get too busy. Um, so naturally I had to learn their stuff. So I'm in Cinema 4D, which is a CAD program or a rendering program, Vector versus CAD program. That's just what they use. So I had to learn it. But the stuff that I didn't, that I got to learn about, but I didn't have to be involved in 
was marketing. They had an entire marketing department. So just, you know, having inner office relationships with people, you talk about work. So I learned about how marketing works, why they do it. I learned about the internal process. We, the designers kind of build the budgets for the, the booths, right? So like we put it together and like the way that they have it, it kind of gives you a, a, a spreadsheet of how much things cost. So then I started asking, well, why did you have, you know, four laborers for eight hours and not six hours? Like, what are you like, how are we bidding this job? So like, okay, well now you can handle the bidding and like, now you know enough, you can do this. Salespeople, I had to talk with salespeople all the time. So I understand how sales work, how commission works, how, you know, someone needing money works, which is always interesting, right? What's their motivation? Is it truly for their own good? Is it for the client's own good? So that was an interesting dynamic. Um, and then group dynamics, right? How do you deal with a lot of people? I previously dealt with five people at a job and this is like 50 to maybe a hundred people is a lot. So like learning how people think about their jobs, do they like the job? Do they not like the job? What don't they like about it? Is this a stepping stone or is this a career decision? So it was very interesting, like asking those questions. So then we'll talk about risk and opportunity um, because it was during this job that I was dating my now wife. She was my girlfriend at the time. And she used to go to these trade shows to do like fingernail sales for a company. And that company was looking for a new booth. And I was like, well, I could do the booth. Like I have experience doing it. And they're like, well, no, we don't want him to do it. It's just him. Like we want a company to do it. So they went to the company that I worked for being like, Ian could still design it, but like we want the big company backing, right? In case anything goes wrong. And I was like, great. So I sent him to my company and then like months went by and nothing happened. So I just reached out to my girlfriend, Dana, like whatever happened with that? And they're like, well, apparently like they called your company and they called, they talked to the salesperson. I'm like, I know that salesperson. And they're like, I never got it. So the, so the salesperson apparently just dropped the ball, never pushed it up. He didn't think it was worth his time. He was just like, I don't care. There are nobody. It's so I heard that through the grapevine. So then I reached out to that company because like, that's my girlfriend's name. She referred it to me. And now like my name is like weirdly not good. So I reached out to them and be like, Hey, like, I know you didn't want to work with me, but I could do this booth for you if you're still looking for somebody. Um, so we took a meeting and they liked it. They liked the idea. So they ended up signing with me. But not with and, your company, right? So this is, this is when you started working on the side. Right. So I was, so during this time, I was like doing some stuff on the side with my brother. He had some odds and end jobs and we were working together. Um, so when this big opportunity came, I was like, Hey bro, like I need help because I'm working full time at this job. You work from home and you might be able to just handle things while I'm at work. So we're like, yeah, let's, let's do this job together. So they signed it. Um, I designed it on my free time. So, you know, when I got home, I would work 40 hours a week and then I'd work another 20 hours when I got home. Um, and then, so they sent us a check and it didn't say Ian, it said our company name. So in the time that we signed them, I created a logo, a company name to make us look professional. So they signed it to the company, John's Exhibits. So I went to the, I went to Chase Bank. I'm like, uh, I would like to cash this money, please. So I could like make this booth. Like we have it all signed up. They're like, we don't, we can't cash it. You're not John, you're, I'm like, but it's my last name. They're like, no, this is to a company. You don't have a company. Wow. So we're like, we're like, oh shoot. Um, we got to hustle here. So we incorporated on LegalZoom. We got a reseller's license. We had to do all this stuff. Meanwhile, we're supposed to be working on this booth. And so I think my brother, oh, it was definitely, yeah. So my brother fronted us like the down payment to start production. And meanwhile, we were like on the back end, like freaking out because we had to get this corporation set up and it had all work to get their deadline. So we paid an arm and a leg to get that done really quickly, but we got it done. They got their booth and I made more in that one sale then like the company made $30,000 on that one sale, which was my entire salary at the company that I was working for. So split that in half in a couple of months, I made half of my entire salary. So I was like, uh, F this noise. Like why, why am I working for this company when I could be doing this on the side? Like I just need a couple more and you make my salary. This is great. So that really jump started like my career as a designer for myself. So that was the side business was John's designs. 
I moved to one more job after that doing this on the side. And then eventually we got so much work that I just needed to quit my full-time job. And I was able to pay myself through my own company for the first time. And I think that was in 2017. So in 2017 was the first time I was able to pay, like cut a check to myself, live off that check and nobody else. And it was a really, really to good To Ian Johns? You did it to Ian Johns? I did. I didn't do it to a company because <laughs> it was very embarrassing at Chase. They looked at me like, what are you talking about? The good part is like, do you want us to check to see that they have the money in the account, which I didn't know they could do? And they're like, oh yeah, they're, they're fine. They're good for it. So that's really good. It's funny. I'll tell you really fast while you're drinking your drink. One time I went to open a business account with my friend Beverly. My friend Beverly's maybe, I don't know, 15 years older than me. And they were like, this is, I mean, I'm over 30, probably like 33. They're like, are you old enough? I'm like, I teach at the university. Uh, yeah, I'm old enough. Wow. I'm not Doogie Hauser, but I'm like, thanks so much. I guess because I'm short, they were like, mm. are you old enough to open an account? And I'm like, yes, I am. Anyway, I thought it was funny. Anyway, keep going. Yeah, that, that is very funny. So yes, yeah, so now I am officially working for myself. Things are going well. And then we got a couple of jobs. So but you're still working with your brother? I'm still working with my brother and I look at the next slide. And so what happened was during this time when I was doing the odds and ends with my brother, we kind of were working with this company throughout this entire process. It was like two or three years. And it was always like a, it was his friend from high school. So it was like a handshake deal. We never really like put anything in writing, no contracts and all that kind of stuff. But like in 2017, 2018, we're like, hey, they have a ton of overpaid bills. They haven't paid us to the amount of like $37,000. And we're like, hey, we probably shouldn't be doing work with them until they could pay us. And we ended up having to take them to court because they're like, nope, we're not gonna pay you. Like, why do we be paid? We have the work, we have the stuff and we never, we don't have a contract. We never agreed that you're gonna do this. And we're like, no, that's not true. So we took them to court. It didn't go well. We settled out of court for basically just the legal fees. And um, we, me and my brother dissolved the company. Um, there was a ton of issues. I mean, I don't know if anyone's had a lawsuit before, but it's not great. Like, even if you're right, you need money to win. And we did not have a ton of money. So it was basically less like, um, yeah, that's was not a good plan by us by not having contracts. Handshake deals is not a good thing. Even with friends, things could go bad. Um, so we dissolved the company. And again, when something bad happens, I have new perspective, right? So I so said, sometimes it's better to cut your losses and grow from the experience. So like I decided like that was the time to cut my losses with working with my brother, but it allowed me to either go back into the workforce, work for somebody else, or to see if like, can I do this by myself? Can I do a design business by myself? And um, because I'm a risky person, I bet on myself. Um, and I started John's Designs, which is the company that I currently run right now. Um, as a solopreneur, but I took that experience as a learning experience. So the first thing that's the most important is like things don't happen to you, they happen for you. So I could always be like, oh my gosh, this person screwed us over for $37,000, woe is me, oh my gosh. Or I could be like, hey, how about you learn from this experience and next time you have someone wanna do a handshake deal, make sure there's a piece of paper, which is a contract between those two, you know, handshakes and be like, cool, like, I would love to do this for you. Let's put it in writing. And another lesson that I learned is like, it's better now when the stakes are low. I call these um, cheap mistakes. At the time, I didn't feel like it was a cheap mistake. I could have really used that extra cash. But in my grandiose ideas of where I want myself and my company to be 37 grand is small beans in you know 20 30 50 years of you know having a business so like what am i fretting over this small thing i learned a lot more it's the knowledge that i got from that lawsuit was way worth the money that we lost <clears throat> and i also learned that time is incredibly valuable right so i spent an entire like part of the reason we dissolved is because we were focused so much on this lawsuit because we wanted this money so bad that we didn't look for another jobs we didn't keep the business running we were solely focused because it's so time consuming mm. so that alone, so we didn't lose $37,000. We lost 37 plus whatever time we lost potential, all that kind of stuff. So that was a really good learning experience. So again, like I get to put this into my tool belt, right? So I've got, you know, the business around me, the vendors around that, the clients that we have, and now I have a legal experience, right? 
how do we avoid this from happening again? And how can we grow from this? So I took that to heart. And like I said, in 2018 is when I started John's Designs. And since then, it's 2021 now, um, I've done some pretty cool things. I'm part of the Public Realm Committee in downtown Long Beach. I'm from Long Beach. I don't know if I said that or not. So um, I'm part of the Downtown Alliance and we're working together to basically help the city. Um, and they asked me to be part of the team. I said, great. Um, I've worked with the Super Bowl. This is my four year running. So we're gonna be in LA this year, which is very exciting. I was in Tampa Bay in February, which is really cool. Um, and I'm winning awards. I won a couple of awards for uh, businesses and entrepreneurship here in Long Beach. And then I've also won awards for my clients. So one of our clients was Amari Global. We did the product packaging for them. They decided to put it into a, like a competition. They ended up winning best new products, um, which was partly because of the designs that we did. So they get to an award and I get to say that, you know, we did award-winning design for our clients, which is really, really exciting. And then, so I think, so the next slide that I have is what I kind of wanted to talk about, because I feel like as well, like I'm always wondering how people get clients. I'm always wondering how other clients get clients. And like, I just want to know how that thing works. I don't have like a secret sauce or like a webinar or masterclass on like getting clients. Cause if I did, I would be getting them and we wouldn't be in my home office. We'd be in my, you know, top floor luxury suite. Um, and I'd have my assistant next to me, but I can tell you how I've gotten the clients that I currently have, which I think is just as important. So on the left is basically the, the tool set that I've had that I've accumulated over the years since I was 21. And I used that to get my like, one job, which is the sidewalk decals. And it was free work, by the way. It was a competition, a local competition from downtown Long Beach. And if you won, you got $250, but the work itself was completely free. Um, they wanted to like promote pedestrian walking within downtown and they didn't know how to do it. So I put my proposal together and I won, which had this relationship with the DLBA. And then that turned into like, well, what else do you do? And they downtown they Long Beach association. I think they call themselves Alliance now. The downtown Alliance. Long Beach Alliance. Yeah. The DLBA. Okay. And that turned into like, what else do you do? because that project was a success and they did a lot of other projects. So I got thousands of dollars from that relationship over, I think it was like a year and a half. Well, because of that work that I did on that, I was part of the public realm committee. They're like, Hey, we know you from the, the stuff that you did for us. Would you want to be part of this public realm committee? It, it includes wayfinding and experiential design. And I was like, sure. But I would never have that introduction if I didn't do the sidewalk decals. And if I didn't do the free work and the public realm committee is completely free. I donate my time and, design and experience for free and they benefit from it. And that's a great relationship, but I also get brand awareness. People know who I am. And because of the public realm committee, I'm more involved in stuff around the city. And I got to meet other local creatives in a networking opportunity. And it was just like talking to local creatives and they sent me work and I made thousands of dollars off of them. So again, you could backtrack it. Like I wouldn't have known these people if I would just like reach out there, but I had to go through these steps to get there. Um, and because of that relationship, I asked them how they got clients because I'm a, I'm a nosy person. Like, well, how do you guys do it? And like, well, there's this giant resource for RFPs. And so I sent out RFPs for like all of design work for the city of Long Beach. And Just so my mom stuff. knows, an RFP is request for a proposal. Oh, good call. Yes. So I found out how larger companies get clients and like we wouldn't exist if it wasn't for these city jobs. I'm like, well, how do you get city jobs? Like, here's a website, buddy go knock your socks off. So I started signing up for them. So that's just how I got these clients. And then, I mean, this is, this is the last slide, but this is just another way of proving that like, it's not a clear cut, like, oh, I do this, I do social media and then I get clients. It's for me personally, it's like local programs. And then I went into the, the competition that I won, right? If I didn't know about these local programs, I wouldn't have done the competition. And if I didn't do the competition, I wouldn't have met people from the University of California, Long Beach, CSLOB. And now I'm getting work for them. I'm doing a website because of that relationship that I built over the years, which took over two years. And then on the other side, I got a business mentor from local programs and that business mentor is now referring me clients. So it's hard for me to be like, you do this, you get clients, but it's like, you see this opportunity. You don't know the full benefits of that opportunity, but you're willing to take a jump and see where it goes. And it just kind of expands this network of things that happen to you. And it's been really exciting to watch. It's slow, but I think it's fun to track. 
and it's really fun to see you know where it can go because it's only getting it's like getting exponentially bigger which is really really exciting and that's it Super. that is my presentation all right so then just let's just say it so that people are lift there what if you're listening then you can check out these links will be below but you can always yeah. follow ian at john's j a h n s designs with an s.com or on instagram at j a h n s D-E-S-I-G-N-S on Instagram. Or you can email him yeah. at ian at johnsdesigns.com. And hey. please feel free to email me. Like I, I clearly like talking to people. I'm very interested and very curious. So if you want to just say hi, say hi. If you got a story, tell me a story. Let's chat. Like I, I'm obsessed with people's stories. I don't like surfacey talk. Let's get down to the fun stuff. So that's that's what I like. I love that. I'm going to yeah. put those links also in the chat too, so people can um, do that as well. But I wanted to, um, we have, we have a little bit of time. So I have some more questions. Okay. And if you guys have questions, yeah. that's how I love to do this is you guys can ask questions in the chat. But so I want to dive in because it seems like everything you said, you had a growth mindset already. Um, huh. I want you to give me an example of when you really, when something happened. So I know with COVID, you, this was an example of when you, you had the growth mindset, you mm. put it into place right then you didn't, I mean, maybe you like to a little temper tantrum for half an hour and then you moved on because you and Dana, your wife used mm -hmm. this opportunity yeah. of COVID to, to do something else. Can you tell them about that? What you, what you guys were able to do? Yeah. I mean, uh, there are two things that we did during COVID. Um, the first thing is like she was on the cusp of she's a um, extension specialist so she does hair extension for women who are losing their hair and she wanted a place to do that not at a salon and now that COVID happened it was in march everything was shut down here in california and we're like well now it seems like the perfect time to open a salon like a lot of people were like oh my gosh i can't work what are we going to do for money what's going to happen and me and dana had obviously we had a moment of that like what are we going to do thank god i'm working but one income versus two is not great. Um, but we're like, hey, well, this is kind of awesome because if we were to have a salon that we would need to build out, Dana would have to like take on clients and then build a salon in the back and it would have been so stressful. But now, and like her clients potentially would be like, well, you're not have time for me, I'm gonna go somewhere else. So what she did was she took that time where legally we weren't really allowed to be open to build the salon. So she didn't have to be like, oh, clients, like, you could go to the, all these other places and you know, my business is not gonna strive. Everyone had to wait. So we used that time to rush to build our salon. So we got everything done. And so then when the time opened, the next time opened, we were able to build, or we were able to have a new salon that was ready for people that was COVID safe, even more COVID safe because it was just one person and not an entire salon with a bunch of people. Um, so that's a great opportunity for us to be like, we could either you know, wallow in our own sorrow of being like, look at what's happening to me or be like, what's happening for me and use that to our advantage. And at the same time, <clears throat> there were local businesses that were struggling as well. There were Long Beach bars and restaurants that were not doing well because they couldn't do food. So a lot of them were doing these like pop-up um, like grocery stores because grocery stores necessarily weren't the safest. No one really knew, it was a bunch of people. So we, we wanted to support local businesses and shop at these places to buy our groceries. Like we would rather support the local restaurant that we love instead of Ralph's. <clears throat> no offense, Ralph's, but you're huge, you're fine. And so we decided that like, that's what we wanna do, but we found it really hard to find what we needed. So not everyone was doing the same stuff. Maybe we only need paper towels, maybe we only need eggs, maybe we only need bread. Uh, we couldn't find it. We spent hours before we went grocery shopping to go find this stuff. And I was like, this is obnoxious. We can't be the only ones. So I created a website called Long Beach Main Markets, which was a resource. So I spent, me and her spent a couple of days scouring what Long Beach places are doing this mini market thing. Longbeachnewmarkets.com? Uh, LB Mini Markets. They oh. call them mini markets. LB. I think it's still up. But I basically, yeah, I basically categorized what everyone's doing. So now instead of having to look at everyone's social media, like, is the firkin doing bread? I just need bread. We, You could go onto the website and be like, I just need bread. And I'll show you, just click on bread and it shows you all the local places and where they're at and that they have bread. Or if like, well, I need bread and paper towels and toilet paper and like flour because I'm going to make a cake. 
you click on those tabs and like, well, this place is carrying all of those or these places are carrying a few. So we wanted to make it easier for people, for us mainly, and then if other people could use it as well. But it was just like, yeah, like it's, it's different, but it's not all bad that like you can make the best out of anything. The other thing I've always been impressed about you with is that you have a vision of what you want the business to be and how you want it to grow because I think you were able to really take in instead of just being focused on you and your work, you were very much of a community. You would come in and see how people you, it was the, the, it was like you were the ocean instead of just one little fish. You were trying to take in how all of the fish interact with each other and things like this, right? right. The coral and the whatever. So you saw that there were times for, or you felt like when there were times that there, you just needed to do kind of production work, right? There's, can you tell yeah. them about the bat chair or the, the oh, bat phone? Yeah, the, the bat phone, the fire so, chair. I don't know, there's a name, but yes. So this came, I do a lot of, I spend a lot of my time, free time daydreaming. I don't know if that's, uh, I don't know. If you're a psychologist, don't look into that, I guess. But I daydream a lot. And I'm always thinking about the future in a positive way. So you could call it manifesting or whatever. But I think about these scenarios that are hypothetical, but like what I really want, like I want to own a business that has multiple clients or sorry, multiple employees with multiple clients. And like, I want it to be a working infrastructure. And like, I noticed that one of the jobs that I had, there was like two, it was two designers. They're both male and they just had newborn kids. And so their wife was staying at home, taking care of the kids, but they were like getting no sleep. They were coming in super exhausted. It was not, work was not the priority of their life. They have a brand new child. And it was one of my buddies from a previous job, Austin. And like, I just felt bad for him because like he had all these giant responsibilities that didn't subside at all during this hard time. He just had to kind of grind his teeth through it. So I was like, oh my gosh, like I don't want my employees to like, do that like I don't I want to be kind of involved in their life to an effective like I want to know your motivation for coming to work and I want to make sure that it's a positive one so if this is a tough week for you maybe you had a loss in your family and like you just don't want to deal with clients what if there was a place where you could still do work and I could still as the business owner benefit from it but you don't really have to do as much so there's this idea of a bat chair where it's like so the projects that I have are sometimes longer and they'd be like, oh, can you change this text really quick? Or can you just do this minor tweak? It's super, you know, small, but it's pretty monotonous, right? You have to break what you're doing and then you have to do this one little thing and then go back to your giant project. I don't want to break up the, the juice that my designers are having with this big project to do that. What if there was a person, which I call like the bat chair or the fire chair, or if you have a, if you're a client of mine and you have like a small text change or something very small, or you just need a PDF something and send it your way, it goes straight to this red rotary phone, super old school, like old school status. Be like, what do you need? Uh, oh, I misspelled a word. Cool. Let's change it. And like, that's all this person does all day. So you come in, you know what you're doing. If nothing comes in, you sit. If something comes in, you take care of it. But what you're doing is you're just basically taking the burden off of everybody else who's like in the groove. And then if you want to be part of that chair, you get to just clock in and clock out that day. Like you start at eight, you're done at four or five. And like, you know what you have to do. And there you go. There's no worry about, you know, oh, I got to stay late because this project needs to be done. So I think it helps out everybody. It's just like thinking about ways to help your employees be better employees and be happier. It's not just that is somebody's, that's Judy's only job. That's, no, no, that no. might be Judy's job on Tuesday because Judy needs a break on Tuesday. She just finished right. a big job. Judy's going to work the bat chair for three days. She's going to come in. She's going to do those things. There may be some marketing materials she does as well. That's a, that's a bat chair thing for the company, but mainly Judy is, is it's just time to like recharge for Judy because there are times when all of us need a break. I just love this idea. But yeah, I mean, it, it kind of spawned, now that I'm remembering, it spawned from when I was just a designer at that exhibit company. And I was I was the designer that had to do these really big hundreds of thousands of dollars things. And all they want to do is push the envelope, do something innovative, create something that no one's ever seen before. And like, that's incredibly hard as a designer to be, you can't be, you can't force innovation. I don't think I've ever had innovation. It's super, really hard. So 
thank God for my uh, creative director and be like, hey, if you if nothing's coming into like your thoughts, like just do a couple of these small jobs where basically there's only three ways to organize it. You just have to do it one of the three ways and just like, you know, it takes you 20 minutes, just do a bunch of them and just like get it done. Just kind of finish that thing and go on. And I thought that was really refreshing because after like during that time, I'd be like, oh, I get it. Like, I know what I could do for this larger job. I just had to kind of like go through the repetitions of doing design, having an idea and finishing that idea. One of the other things I've been impressed with, Ian, is that you have you are willing to put your idea out there. And I think sometimes people who are younger in the industry, instead of being curious, they will just keep it in and try to just make sure that they're saying the right thing. And this is where it comes back to curiosity is actually, it helps if you're just asking questions because then you are learning about what the industry is. But what do you think something that we could all do to implement more curiosity in and how that will impact our business. That wasn't a good I think question. It depends. Sorry. Yeah, no, that's fine. I, well, I think it depends on, on where you're at, right? So if you work for a company, you have a certain perspective. And then if you work for yourself, like myself, a solopreneur, you're in a different perspective. And I think if you want to, I guess, build curiosity, if you're not a risk taker by, by heart and you like kind of want to get out there and try something new if you're working for somebody else just look around you um be observant ask just ask why like when someone says like oh we have this end of day thing where you you know tell the boss like are you overworked are you ready for work or you used to have this like red green yellow situation where you're like are you overworked are you underworked and like just ask why why do we use the the project management software that we use. Why? Who decided that? Is it that the best thing for us? Do some research. Just ask why. Because I think what I learned very early on is like, I had to ask why because I was the inexperienced person. And I think the longer you're at a job or other people are looking at you as like, well, you're supposed to be the expert. People get afraid to ask why. And asking why isn't a bad thing. It's really powerful. And it doesn't make you any less of an expert or any less reliable, it makes you vulnerable for a little bit, but like everyone's vulnerable. Like mm-hmm. they're just people. And, the, and if someone jumps down your throat and thinks that, you know, that's a terrible thing, you shouldn't ask why, they might not be a good person. So like, I don't, yeah, like don't waste your time with that. Like if you really are curious, go for it and ask why. Be outspoken, challenge things, not like, so many businesses that I'm part of now are not in businesses now because they never asked why. They're like, oh, this will never change. The company that I worked for at the very beginning, they lost one of the huge clients because they didn't ask why it was changing. They used to do trade shows for Wizards of the Coast and now Wizards of the Coast is doing esports. That company got left in the dust because they didn't adapt to do esports. They weren't asking why. Why are we changing? Why are you guys putting money into this thing? So they could have adapted and kept that client but instead they decided not to like, well, why would we change? We're so successful with the things that we're doing currently. Oh, that like, sounds well, like Kodak. <laughs> yeah. Or any taxi driver. Yeah. Or any typewriter repairman. If you're a typewriter repairman, you're probably out of work. So I think just asking why, be curious, find out. If someone has an answer for you, great. If they don't have an answer for you, keep digging. All right. So you've worked at, uh, this will be our last question because we have way too many questions, but you worked for the, the Super Bowl, and this Good. year it's even more of a challenge. So it's usually a challenge because you have to one up yourself every time, but you have to go on site, you have to make things as they happen. But this year you had to deal with COVID. It was there was for a while there, you weren't even sure if the Super Bowl was going to happen, right? There yeah, was a there was in the fall, you were like, I don't know where, or in the summer or something, right? Um, yeah, yeah. Can you say how or explain how you attack that problem? And I think being positive and knowing that you can figure it out and how it ended up being super successful. But this was a a bigger challenge than normal. It was definitely a bigger challenge than normal. It was the reason it was a big challenge from my perspective and the company that I work for was because there were no answers. No one knew. It's the novel coronavirus. Mm. It's new, right? So everything was changing. NFL was going to be like, well, we'll have answers for you 
and then something changes, right? A new strain or, you know, this, you know, it was happening in Florida. So like, how is Florida doing? What are they doing? What is the, like, it was so political. No one had an answer. So we had to create scenarios during that time. Like, okay, cool. We're having 10,000 people at the stadium. So we'd have to create the environment for 10,000 people. And as we're doing it, there'd be a meeting and like, you know, someone coming like, um, it's 4,000 now. So we're like, okay, cool. So we'd have to change it all up and like, well, what 4,000 people? We make it exciting. We want to make it big, but not so big that, you know, it doesn't feel super fun. So like we have to think about all those things. So what I did personally was I knew that these changes were happening. So I kept, I made a new version of everything. I dated everything. I put everything because what I didn't want to happen was as we got closer and closer and closer to February, we were like, you know, gearing for 4,000 or 6,000 then we're down to like 3,000, right? But what happens in January when you're like, everyone has a vaccine or, you know, Florida's wide open, which it was, we could do 20,000 people. So instead of having to do that work, you know, for the 15th time over, I could just go back to April when we planned for 20,000 people and be like, well, this is what we did for 20,000 people. Let's just adapt that. So I was prepared and like, so was the team prepared to basically go back to the work that we did and don't let it go kind of unnoticed because it would, we, time was of the essence. Like they, it's the NFL, like they've got, you know, resources to do stuff. It's all about urgency, how quickly can you get it out and how good does it look? And that's another thing you work quickly, but it's because you have the experience, you know what you can and cannot do in that amount of time. And yeah. you're, you're also really relational. So here's some things that I, um, nothing that you build in, in your company is going to be fast. So stop thinking that it's just going to be a pill and it's going to solve it, right? That um, right. it's slow, but that means it's real and it's going to stick. And building relationships, being consistent, and even checking out local programs, being willing to do something pro bono, willing to help people, um, help good causes, or being willing to do that hard work or just stay late if you're at the Super Bowl or you're willing to brainstorm to solve something saying, hey, we can figure this out. Like, I think just being present, being willing, having a great attitude has been uh, amazing. Uh, that's you. And Paul said in the chat, I remember someone talking about how when we we're beginners and know and know that we know nothing, it's far easier to ask the kind of why questions that really get the conversation going. As we get more experience, we get more defensive about not knowing. He said, I love your attitude, Ian, about taking risk and still asking. I love it too. So there's a book hey, called Paul. Rookie Smarts. Have you ever heard of that book? No, but I'll write it It's down. Elizabeth somebody. Anyway, it's a really good book. And it's similar to this. And it's like you, she just watched you, Ian. So uh, I think I know how much you attribute your growth to curiosity and being willing to take risks. I think it's been really connected to that. And then um, how about, how does somebody who is like your sister, your twin, who's not a math person and not a risk taker, how can we start making some small risks so that we get more comfortable with it? What, what would you tell somebody to do? Like what would be a small risk for them to take? Yeah. Is it maybe like taking on a pro bono client or a project, a small project? I think that is exactly right. If you're not really, if you're risk averse, right, there might be something that you have, you know, decided to say no on, or maybe like push the client off or push the project off if you're working for yourself. But if you're working for someone else, like take on a, a job that you know that needs to get done, that you might have to stay late that day. You might have to, you know, put in a couple extra hours or invest a little bit extra time, you know, make sure that it's okay with your boss that you're like working, you know, a little bit late, but try it out. Like what's the worst that's going to happen um, if you have the ability to do it? Because the more risk that I took and the more chances that I took during a job that I, you know, when I worked for somebody else, like they noticed, they know, they know that this job needs to get done. They don't want to overwhelm your clients. So when you hear you, they're, employees so when you're the employee to be like i'll do that i'll take it off of everyone's plate you learn more from it you learn more respect and then you also get more opportunity from your boss and if you don't have a boss and you're working from yourself the same thing happens for a client right so you get to be like i will go above and beyond i'll do the extra mile i'll, I'll do that for you 
they're going to be appreciative of it. And it's a little bit risky, but I think it's a small risk for a much larger reward. Love that. Okay. So Ian, how do you recharge and what inspires you? So I recharge, or I used to recharge before COVID by doing like something fun with people. I'm a people person and I like to be around people. So COVID was interesting. Um, That's why you came to camp. This is why I, literally it was great because I get to talk to like-minded people. It was very fun. So that is when it's people inspire me. Um, stories, stuff like that. Learning about other people's, there's like a term, I forget what it was, but it's like a, it's a term where basically you walk by someone but also recognize that this person also has an entire story, has an entire motive, has motivations, has dreams, has all. like that to me is so interesting, right? Because like you go to a bit, I mean, you know, LA County, like you're walking by people all the time. But like that person is someone, they lived 40 years. There's so much going on in the person and we just walk right by them. Like, I want to know about their story. Like, I want to like tap on short, let's talk, let's have coffee. I love that. Well, and the other thing you do is you don't just learn from designers. You take classes or do do like a entrepreneurship program at the local yeah. college and you go to other things that aren't necessarily just in the creative industry. And I think that mm-hmm. you've been able to learn a lot and make connections and offer different solutions to people and ask good questions that maybe some of us would, wouldn't do because we're not comfortable in that setting or, but you're okay being uncomfortable in new settings. I am for better or for worse. So then is there a quote that you keep next to you or maybe not next to you, but, or that helps you through tough times? Um, The one that came to mind, it was more of like when everyone is stressed out and like, again, throw back to Jerry Rubin, my first boss, go Jerry. Um, He was, uh, he was like a military guy. I think he was part of the military for Canada for a while. So he had like these really cool like replica scale models of like the Battle of the Bulge and World War II. It was very interesting. Um, but anytime the five of us in the thing were like so stressed out because we had a giant client and a huge deadline to go and we're all, you know, like angry and on edge and stuff like that, he would like stop everybody, stand up and be like, hey, we are not saving lives. We are an event company. No one is dying. You're not a nurse. You're not in war. The worst thing that's going to happen is that client's not going to get their graphic and they're going to be upset. Who the F cares, really? So he, it's just, I think that just taught me to like understand perspective in times where you are very much like about yourself. Like, I feel this way. I feel the stress. I'm overwhelmed. Think about how other people are doing. And again, you're generally not saving lives. So mm-hmm. if you are, then I'm. That's why I'm not a nurse. Like I could never do that. But stress and be like, oh, we're not saving lives. I'm like, no, I am. I am. So I'm going to be stressed out. This is terrible. Um, at least I could say that, that that's not it. I'm like, oh, no, it's, it's a logo. It's going to be a day after. I told him I was going to get it. It's unfortunate. Um, and I'll be apologetic. But like, it's it's a logo. That's one's life. Right. All right. So then what's next? What can we expect from you? And where can, um, where can we yeah. get more of you? Um, if you want more of me. Thank you. It's awesome. Uh, again, you could email me or you can look on my social media um, and you could follow me or DM me there. But I like, again, I like to talk. So let's set up a time we can talk. Um, what's next for me is, is getting an office space that's not in my home and um, hiring designers, a designer for sure, maybe multiple designers. Um, but that is the next step is making this solopreneur into an entrepreneur and having an actual business. Um, and yeah, like growing here in Long Beach is the next step. Awesome. All right. I just want to make sure everybody knows. So John's designs with an S.com. So Jay, use your umla, the option <laughs> you, and then type the a. So, um, John's design, J-A-H-N-S, designs.com. Or you can email Ian at, and Ian's just I-A-N. I don't know, maybe somebody in another country spells it something else, but that's how pretty easy. Um, I also call him Ian iPad because mm-hmm. the at camp, his thing came up as iPad. And I was like, what? Is your name iPad? I mean, iPad and Ian aren't <gasps> that far off. I'm so sorry, my dog. Jackson. Oh, he's getting growly. I know. Somebody must be at the door. Anyway, 
Thank you so much. Martin says such a yeah. great presentation and excellent oh. designer. Bravo. I totally mm. agree. Rajim says that was great. Amy said she said she remembers you being iPad. <laughs> um, so it's it's Thanks, Amy. it's good. It's good to have you. I'm really glad oh. that you got to share your awesomeness. Your deck was amazing. I just Thank want to you. tell you guys what next week is going to be like. Next week, we are going to have uh, Mario come back. And Mario has a, he might still be here. I can't remember. I don't have the thing up anymore. So I can't check. But he has a mindset conference. So if you were, came to camp last year, or if you didn't, he started off camp, he's going to start off camp again this year and going to do a workshop. So we're going to talk about mindset. I know Ian and I have had many conversations about mindset. There are some of the things that hold us back. It's sometimes you just need to talk through it so that you can get um, on that other side. And it really helps to be with other people when you're learning some of these things, just for accountability. And that's kind of what we do at camp. But with Mario's, it's four days. It's called MindsetRebootConference.com. But I also, we're going to do something a little different. So we're going to get, um, if you guys send me your question, you have something, if you want to come on live and ask Mario a question, it'll be like stump Mario with your mindset question, maybe. Um, but we're going to talk about that. And I kind of wanted it to be a community thing. So if you want to come live and you want to ask a question, feel free, send me an email, tell me you want to do that, diane at rechargingyou.com or design, re whatever, diane at designrecharge.org or wherever you get your email to me, it'll probably get to me, hopefully. Um, but you can email me and then I will uh, ask you if you're okay coming on or if you just want to send me your question, I can ask that question as well. But it's going to be a time for us to get together, see some faces, and then we'll be able to hopefully answer some big questions that or things that happen that we need somebody else else's perspective. And Mario is great at that. So Ian, thank you so much for today. Yeah. Um, and I will see all of you guys next week. And just thanks for being awesome, Ian. It was a great oh, presentation. You thanks. should do more of them. Cool. Well, thank you for giving me the opportunity. It was very fun.